The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 77. And Steve, we are officially in the offseason. We're going to have an awesome show here. Take an exhale, guys. Enjoy some playoff baseball. And it's never too soon to start looking ahead. We've been waiting for a while through the dog days of summer to finally have the fresh slate and look forward to future draft in 2023. And Steve, we're, we're kind of well underway with the Pitcherless Mock Draft 2023. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll talk picks. It's going to be a great show. Super excited. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, welcome to the offseason, man. How's it going out there? Uh, it's good. Uh, been an eventful week in the non fantasy baseball world my dog got skunked over the weekend oh wow so I've been dealing with that yeah yeah our hot water heater's broken so uh you know uh those aren't the best things glad that i get to talk about uh fantasy baseball for an hour to, to get my mind off of uh those messes that i've been dealing with but uh you know uh the things are looking up i took the dog to the groomer got a, a special bath and everything shout out uh foofy pooches in hoboken they did a great job there on uh on tate so uh Can we get a, like good a, now a yep. waff promo yep. code for this yeah place, yeah or? yeah it, they, they just opened up so you know the the, the the shout out you know they'll get a nice little waff bump on, i don't know how many listeners we have in hoboken proper but uh you know uh, they also have another location in Jersey too, so uh, yeah, you know. And it's it's the off season. We'll we'll see when, yeah, when next yeah. yeah when it when it rolls around. But yeah, maybe guys, maybe yeah. Nick will maybe Nick will be doing an ad read uh, in a few months. Who knows? For uh, foofy pooches, <laughs> it'll be a a, a good one. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's been good. Playoffs have been awesome. I really enjoyed this expanded format, but. I'm glad that you know we did this last year. We we actually I think got two episodes out of it. We kind of mixed like a first round, a preview for the first round, and then the actual first round of our mock draft, and then sort of recapped it all in the next episode. So I'm glad that this starts right away. You know, we mentioned how quickly we did it, and we're gonna have our individual podcast with Nick that'll go, I think, to on the corner. Uh, I think that's where it was last year. Um, so we'll mm-hmm. each individually have our own podcast with Nick Pollock, which will be fun. It was a lot of fun last year. I love 
listening to yours. Uh, so uh, that'll be exciting and glad that we, we do this so quickly into the off season to just get right after it. It's nice to have a base and to see where guys fall. Oh yeah. Uh, so early just because, you know, the information is still fresh and processing. So it's nice to have this sort of litmus test and base for what we can expect for 2023. And it's in like you said, it's, it's never too soon. So, uh, excited to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a few things we could talk about here. I mean, one is the fact that we've, we've thrown out the, like the Nick Pollock episode is hilarious in its own right because it's kind of like you know you're at the table with the, with the founding father of pitcher list you got it you're basically in the hot seat and yeah, he gives yeah, his exactly. he gives his seal of approvals for certain picks at certain rounds that he kind of signs off on but it's also a chip on our shoulder that we carry the entire season <laughs> if Nick bashes us for a certain player and they end up turning out good. We're always just like, yeah, I mean, Nick was against me on that one too. So it's always hilarious banter to to, to kind of have the extra microscope. And if you want to comment on that, Steve, because I was going to take it a couple other places too here. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to go on with Nick and just bring up last year's draft because by far my best <laughs> draft was that mock draft. Like Your if I just repeated insane, what I dude. did in the mock draft that meant nothing – uh, I I would have done a lot better, uh, <laughs> you know, than than what I actually did uh, in my real leagues that counted. So I can't uh, I can't wait to hear your yeah. attempted victory lap on Nick, and he's gonna be like, "Okay, Steve, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about this draft. Last year's <laughs> over, and it's just like a whole thing. Uh, yeah, it kills yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll have to razz him a little bit on it. The other direction i wanted to take this is i was cracking up because last year we were one slot away from each other where i was number one overall on the draft slot and steve was the second pick and this year by complete randomness i am the second to last pick and so i'm 11 out of 12 and steve is 10 out of 12 so steve like i don't know what's going on here it's great for content but it's not great for some snipes you know, we both are well aware who each other's guys are, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even though it's a new season. But, uh, yeah, five by five standard rules, uh, head-to-head format is the assumption. Yahoo eligibility, three outfield, two util, uh, so no middle infield or corner infield, and then two Otanis, the pitcher and the, the hitter. So that's the format. And then the draft order, us being one spot away, is just it's banter, right, more than anything. Yeah, it's great. Like, uh, you know, we'll get into it, but. The three four turn, uh, I, I I took a hitter and I was like, all right, I, I I like you know Cease and Strider here. Like those are the pitchers that I could that I would consider. And then your two picks that went in between before I got up, uh, you know, of course Cease and Strider went. So uh, you know it, it's fun, sort of trying to guess and see when you're right. You know, you're obviously one of the people that I talk fantasy baseball the most about with so uh we're we're on the same wavelength and it's fun to do it and you know if we ever are in a, a league too we'll we'll sort of at least have this practice uh there to get the get sort of used to that but that's a lot of fun it's making this draft even better but yeah um yeah i'm i'm, I'm pumped to get into it yeah let's get into it so i i think we we talked about the format 
we'll have to read through kind of the first round picks because this is the first time we look at any yeah. of this. I mean, that's that's the hugest thing for for listeners the, tuning in. The first in. round is a, is a is a great topic. It really is. You want to see where you want to go, who goes where, what slot you want. Yeah, it, it, it deserves its own own show like we did last year for sure. It and, does. And uh, so we'll cover that. We'll talk strategies. Here, yeah. yeah, we'll talk strategies, surprises, snipes. I think that it's just important to remind people that when we do this, this early on, I mean, my buddy that's staying with me leading up to my, my brother's wedding, which, by the way, shout out, Big Waff listener, and the Heerike call at the start of our show. If you uh, <laughs> listen to the sound bite before the crowd goes wild, my brother is the umpire there. He's getting married this weekend. Congrats in advance, Ty. But my, my friend's over for Ty's wedding leading up to it, and he's like, what the heck are you guys even talking about? Like, the, you realize baseball is still happening, and yet you're drafting <laughs> for next season. And I was like, Jeff, listen, if you go to a draft next year and you see Lars Newtbar pick 225, this is going to be the draft that kind of paved the way for that. So it's truly uncharted waters, which makes it a lot of fun. But it also kind of leaves you all at sea when it comes to wondering, like, is am I picking this guy too early? I mean, there's a, there's a couple articles out there that have, like, some – too early rankings, but it is, you know, the ink is still wet on the paper on any of this stuff. So without further ado, uh, Steve, should we just jump, rattle off the first round? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So we got, uh, in, in order here, number one overall pick of 2023, drum roll, Jose Ramirez. Number two followed up right after Ramirez is Ronald Acuna Jr. Number three, Trey Turner, kind of staying up where he was last year in that top five. Aaron Judge, number four. So there goes Judge with, the obviously, the homer binge. It's going to be insane seeing where his projections come next year. It's got to be like 49 homers. We'll see. Julio Rodriguez, number five in this draft. Number six, Kyle Tucker. Number seven, Mookie Betts. Eight, Jordan Alvarez. Nine, Mike Trout. Ten, Steve DeSwelly pick. Juan Soto, myself. Eleven, Bo Bichette. Twelve, Bobby Witt Jr. for Adam Howe. So this is, uh, you know, this this probably isn't going to be chalk like what the first round is. Mm-hmm. I think we got to beat it up quite a bit. But Steve, overall impressions on the first round here and just the makeup of the first round. Spoiler alert, there's not a single pitcher. Yeah, um, I think we talked about it a bit last year. There's no really set order where you're going to see a bunch of different players going one overall. Um, I know that Jose Ramirez announced today that he had, uh, I think it was wrist or hand surgery that um, he played through in the second half, which led to, uh, I think, some you know power decline and just overall decline in his line. Not that he was bad by any stretch, but he just wasn't the same sort of player he was in the first half. And, you know, amazing that he did what he did while fighting through an injury. So maybe there will be some concern there. Acuna, you know, you're hoping that the power bounces back. So I still sort of think that Turner will be the oatmeal quote-unquote, one and, and, and probably be one in most leagues, depending on where he signs. Mm. I would think it's going to be, uh, you know, another really good lineup uh, sort of contender type thing. Um, you know, you obviously can't get much better than the Dodgers, but um, it'll probably still be uh, a pretty good lineup context. And, you know, depending on where it goes, um, maybe even a better 
hitting environment. Although Dodger Stadium is is sneaky, uh, a good place for hitters. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have any qualms or anything with that order. You know, I'm sure we'll see Judge go a little bit higher. Um, but the biggest shock to me in the first round was, was Trout at, at nine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that in general the market might be more hesitant on him. I'm hoping he is because I really think that the last few months, uh, hoping that the market is, you know, a little, a little bit cooler on him because the the last two months of the season like he basically played every day you know the angels were out of it so it seemed like they found something that that works you know a, a rest schedule that could keep him on the field more often than not you know uh, I, I know that people sort of panicked when he said that uh, or you know a doctor said that he is going to be dealing with this back or i think it was like the angels medical trainer said that he's going to be dealing with this for like the rest of his career but you know, he probably figured out a way to, to manage that back injury for the, at least for those two months. So, and on top of that, he was absolutely raking, right? I think he had like yeah. 14 homers or something in September. So, uh, I, I'm hoping there's more of a discount on Trout. So maybe it's not that it, it's the shock for me. Maybe it was more disappointment. Like, I, I hope that he's not at the end of the first round. I would love to get him in round sort of two, three, where I think he might end up going. But, who knows? Uh, uh, it, it's it, it'll be an interesting, interesting uh, you know result as to where Trout goes uh, in, in drafts next year. Yeah, I think that kind of what I you know, and part of this draft for me is always like exploratory. Like I, I don't necessarily go into this initial number one mock of the season with a huge game plan. I kind of enjoy the you know, see, see what happens Mm -hmm. where and everything like that and not try to take it too seriously, but, um, obviously drafting guys that I like and trying to make a team build that works. But as I was kind of navigating through this, you know, first and foremost, I think the Jose Ramirez pick, I kind of liked because third base, I still think is a, is a weak Mm -hmm. position. And the reasons you outlined with Ramirez and him still being like, 280, 29 homers, 20 steals. It seems like, and by the way, like 125 RBIs. Like it seems like if that yeah, is with this with the wrist that needed surgery yeah, for injury riddled floor, yeah. like it's just. And and by the way, this is like year number what six, seven in, in a row that Jose Ramirez has been like a first round value. So I, I like a lot of things about that. Um, I was a little. I mean, you're spot on with Trey Turner. I was surprised to see Acuna go that high, although with the whole offseason, I think, you know, it's it's hard to argue that too much. Um, and then I think I, I've got to kind of point the light on my pick of Bo Bichette at 11 because I got there and I was kind of scrambling, to be honest. And part of it was I, I was of the thinking that you don't want to leave the first round without some speed or some steals. But as we've gotten through the draft, there's a little bit more viable speed than there was last year already. It kind of feels like there's options that speed will always have a tax on it, you know. But And Bichette obviously turned it on late in the season. So the way I'll try to justify that is like whatever it was, 24 and 13 was kind of a dreadful season. If he does anything like he did in September he showed us that he still could be kind of that like 30-30 guy with great batting average and counting stats and all that. 
But looking back, I know I was joking in the Discord that like I was looking at him or Machado, and Machado offers less speed but still some. And that third base, like checking the box on that, I think is important. Like I think you still will need a plan for third base like you did last year. And that was something I was was thinking of on my pick. But, you know, I didn't love it. It felt early. Um, But Trout, I think on some other sites, his early, early ADP is like a 16. And, yeah, 40 homers in 119 games like that might be a pretty favorable spot in drafts near the back of the first round if you can, like, go Trout and somebody else um, because I do think that's a big value. So, I don't know, kind of scattered thoughts there. But uh, if, if you got anything to add there, Steve, I think we should talk about Adams as well because that's, you know, you got to get used to seeing some of these names in the first round now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as, like, you know, my actual picks, like, Soto sort of just fell to me and I didn't really, you, you know, it, I, I was hoping for like Alvarez or like Betts, but they went a few picks earlier and they're probably going to be middle first rounders. So, you know, maybe the sweet spot to pick is more in that middle seven, eight uh, sort of pick rather than than 10. But, you know, uh, Soto's due for uh, a bounce back, you, you would think. Oh, for um, sure. When we were talking, Steve, so. like two weeks ago, you were we were kind of laughing. We were like, if he goes seven or eight, and you were like, oh, I'd love if he fell that late, and you got it's, him here at 10. It seems like he's going to go later just with the guys that provide some speed, or at least more than him. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I'm sure there'll be some more helium on guys like, like Julio Rodriguez and, and and you know even Bo Bichette with that with that September that he had to sort of salvage his season and and provide uh, you know more speed at least I think that sort of goes up as the year goes on so uh, I, I, you know if that happens and I, I pick Juan Soto at ten where he was going you know one in a lot of leagues last year uh, I, I'm more than fine with it um, I think sort of the the stuff and things steal approach works especially next year with the the um, expanded bases and the fact that you can't throw over more than a few times, more than three times, I believe it is now. Um, you know, maybe those guys who get five to seven steals will get closer to 10. The guys who are going to get 15, get closer to 18, 20, things like that. So I think you can sort of get by on steals uh, a little bit better. Uh, not that it was a bad strategy in the past, I think that's worked really well uh, rather than. You know, going for okay. I need a guy that's guaranteed twenty steals in the first round, and that limits you to like mm-hmm. five guys essentially. You know, yeah. Um, so w- was happy with that, but I-, I think along with third base, I really, really want to get a first baseman. I think the last two years in fantasy, I haven't had like a stud first baseman, at least in my home league or you know some of my important leagues. Um, I, I-, I want to square away first base and third base. Um, as soon as possible, which is why I went with Freeman in the second round. Uh, I know you took Vlad right before me. I would have been fine with with any of those options, honestly. Even Goldschmidt in the second, too, I'd be cool with. But, you know, one of the—in my first two rounds, I kind of want to take steady veteran— or, you know, first three rounds, steady veteran mm-hmm. hitters, and, and two of the three being a first baseman and a third baseman. Yeah, that's um, seems like an early trend, and you know, 
where's uh for second base is the other one that it's kind of like Altuve, yes. uh, Simeon. You know, it, it's like you know you're you're talking three second basemen across like the first second four base rounds. is is tough, but like you need a lot of. I know it's like a stereotype, no, and you're like right, a cliche, you're right. but you need a lot of power from the corners because that's where the power exists in real life. So I, I think you want to get one of those guys. You know, I, I want to target Freeman. I want to target Devers. I want to target Machado, Riley. All those guys, you know, uh, Vlad, Alonzo, Freeman, like it's a huge drop guys, off after that top yeah, five. Yeah, like after Matt Olson, like the next f- true first baseman that went was Nate Lowe, and I love Nate Lowe a lot, but I have a lot more faith in Matt Olson and Paul Goldschmidt than I do in uh, uh, a repeat from Nate Lowe. You know, well, and, so, and yeah. it's going to cost you because everyone is is going to be quickly aware of this. So, like y- you sure. mentioned, you know, in the just in the second round, you had four first basemen go. Pete Alonzo, Vlad, Freddie Freeman all went consecutively at 13, 14, and 15 overall. And then five picks later, Paul Goldschmidt goes. Matt Olson goes in the next round. And then, yes, there was a big gap there because there's, a, there's kind of a talent drop-off. But then Nate Lowe, who obviously had a fantastic season, a lot of the industry's excited about him, but you still got to pay that like 65 overall pick. Which, mm-hmm. if you would have told us that at the start of last year, and I know a lot happens in a season, but point being, if you get a first baseman from that second wave after the premier elite guys, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay a little bit because a lot of people you're talking seven other managers are also looking at the first base mm-hmm. slot and being like, man, I need some something here. So that's super interesting. What did you think about? Um, you know, I know he's a massive speed source with Bobby Witt um, going first round in this at at pick 12 and some other sites have him as like a top 10 player overall. Uh, I could see Witt and Bichette getting a lot of comparisons in the offseason because they both offer some speed. Witt, I think you can, you know, as the numbers show, 30 steals for Witt this year versus the 13 for Bichette. Obviously, there's a steals bump there, but the average drops from 290 for Bichette down to 254 for Witt. Um, a little bit more of a track record with Bichette, and you know, better team context for sure. So it's just it's interesting. Again, I'm not. It's too early for me to kind of knock it or challenge it. Like I'm sure uh, you know Adam and and people around other sites absolutely have their reasons, but I'm just kind of acclimating to the fact that like Bobby Witt is a top 10, top 12 pick this year. Yeah. Um, I, and I think he will be because of the steals. Um, but with sort of my lesson learned, I am not going to take uh, a hitter that had a 722 OPS uh, in, in the first round. So I do not think I will have any shares of Bobby Witt. Not saying that there's you know not projectable growth in there. There definitely will be. It definitely is, but the fact that he just walked 4.7 percent of the time. I know the strikeout rate wasn't bad, but you know, uh, it, it's not the profile that I want to chase. Um, you know, I, I'd rather take uh, a much more steady, proven veteran guy uh, in in the first round um, th- th- than sort of. Uh, you know, wish cast on Bobby Witt. I know that mm-hmm. it's much safer with Bobby Witt. Uh, 
there's an amazing skill set there, and I'm sure he's going to be a star in this league for a very long time and, you know, a much higher pick. And that very well could be um, next year, and I could look like an idiot and, you know, be he has the talent and the skill set to be, like, the one-on-one fantasy guy, right? Like, that's his ceiling. Not yeah. just first-rounder, but the first player selected in fantasy. But I'd rather just be a year late then one year too early um, to find out uh, uh, on what at least with with uh, you know those that plate discipline uh, skill set just because you know um, there are going to be streaks when you only walk you know four point seven percent of the time that you know he's not even going to be able to get on base to steal uh, steal bases until that improves. Um, I'll pass, and then, you know, if I have to spend a top five pick on him next year because I was wrong, then then, then I'll do it, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, Steve, I'm thinking back like a month ago when we were laughing, saying like, you know, the first round only has 12 slots in a standard league, and we were throwing out like 18 names, and we were like, this guy's a first rounder. No, this guy's a first rounder. So when you look at the second round, I mean, there's some heavy hitter names here with Vlad... Uh, Freddie, who's kind of always in the zone. Um, Devers, who's who's dropped out. Bryce mm-hmm. Har- Bryce Harper, who's dropped out from last year. And then Goldie, who's a little hard done given the season he had. But I think there's kind of that vanilla and a little bit of age factor with, with Goldie. But he was going near the back of the second round. And then you got Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns at the end of the second round being the first two pitchers off the board. Anything jump out here? I mean, it's all noteworthy. It's all going to be great, you know, content, honestly, for the offseason to talk this stuff through. But any major impressions when you kind of looked at how this second round unfolded here? Yeah, I want a pick in the mid to late first round because there's that many good players, right? Like, you know, look at Pete Ball in, at the fifth slot getting Julio Rodriguez at five and then what, uh, Bryce Harper at like, what is that uh, pick like 21? Yeah. Uh, that is an incredible start. I know it's two outfielders, which, you know, is an ideal, but still, uh, y- you know, because there is 18 quote unquote first rounders, right? Like if you're in the middle of the back, you're going to load up and, and, and get two of those guys. So that's where I'm going to be aiming to pick in drafts. I think it was a successful place to be last year because because of this sort of same reason but like you know uh my favorite start uh is at pick eight with with anthony tucker like alvarez machado i know there's not much steals in there you know machado could be counted on for sort of that five to ten range and alvarez is zero but those are two of like the best just hitters in baseball and like you could you know, you could write their their stat lines right now, what they'll be for next year, right? Like, you know, 300, 30, 100, 100. Like, lock it in, right? Like, yeah, almost to, as to, a to be able that Like, that's the, that's the goal with what you want to do in the first round, to just get that steady, absolute lock of production. And if you pick in that range, I think you can guarantee yourself sort of uh, two of those type of players, and that's where I'm going to want to be uh for 2023 drafts yeah there's there's so much to break down in that like i i want to jump 
back to what you were saying about near the near the beginning of the first round where you can kind of do that like pick four pick five pick 18 pick 19 it does seem like that's a great spot to land because if drafts end up like our mock draft has gone here round three is really like pitcher palooza like there were what four five six seven eight eight out of twelve starting pitchers went in round three and that there was will probably SP be more pitchers taken early in in right like i would think uh, that, yeah, you know like you would think they, they kind of always go up and i think in the industry we kind of have this um you know there there is that new kind of thought that like pitching is deep and pitching is unreliable at the top so i think we were all really like collectively mature and disciplined about not starting the pitcher run too early but the pushback i'd give on it steve is like when there's that many bats i mean you know when goldschmidt is going at like 18 and bryce harper i mean harper is a monster dude like it's got to be i think next year will probably be the least amount of pitchers picked in the first two rounds that we've seen in maybe in memory especially because even though Cole and Burns were great, they weren't like as good. You know, it wasn't like a peak Garrett Cole season. Burns yeah. sort of faded a bit at the end. Same with like McClanahan. Uh, Degrom has the 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 injury concerns, and Scherzer has the age. So and Burns and McClanahan, you're kind of right. They yeah. stumbled a little bit down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're right. It's a great point that no one, no SP one is really without warts or concerns to a point where you're like, oh, I know I've got the best pitcher in fantasy by making this pick, which I think will, yeah, kind of push it down. I was honestly a little surprised to see that Garrett Cole still went one overall amongst pitchers. Uh, just Yeah, from- I, I, th- I think it's the safest. I think, I think it's sort of the safest first pitcher you can take, him or Burns. Yeah, I mean, the ratios, in a year where everybody's ratios were, like, pristine, Cole's ratios kept him outside of like the top 10 pitchers in, in fantasy this year. Um, but yes, I understand the durability, the wins potential, the fact that he kind of had an off year and had 257 strikeouts and, and a 102 whip. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to argue, but I think the point is you have to argue it a little bit. And a lot of these other bats, it's really hard to argue like a, you know, any of these combos, Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, or Mike Trout and Rafi Devers, uh, you went Soto and Freeman. It's like those are two of the truest hitters in the game. So, you know, pending Soto stuff. Um, so, yeah, just super fascinating. Um, did you go into this, Steve, with an overall strategy or a plan of attack or kind of what were your thoughts either going into it or now that you've kind of been through it? Yeah, kind of what I, what we've been hitting on the last few episodes. I wanted to get the steady veteran presence, you know, to to speak in coach cliche talk, right? Like I wanted to take guys with the track record that were safe and that I could fill up my my hitter lineup with uh, early, uh, and I did that with Soto, Freeman, and Arenado, and then I was able to, you know in round four sort of take the the shot that I wanted to take and take Michael Harris, you know, pick like 38 or 39 overall. Um, so I, I think if you find that blend and you have sort of these guys that, you know, um, 
I saw a Rob Silver tweet, so uh, th- this is fitting while, while we're on the, t- the topic of, of, of Freddie Freeman. Um, on the Rasball Player Raider over the last five years, there have been two players who have been top 25 players in fantasy for the Rasball Player Raider over the last five years. One of those is Freddie Freeman. Uh, can you name the other? Two players who were top 25 over the past five years? Yes, so there's only been two players that have finished in the top 25 the last five years in a row. One of them is Freddie Freeman. Mm, um, let me throw out... It's not Jose Ramirez. That'd be a little obvious at one overall. Uh, no, it's not. I believe he had that, that one year. year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was around. in four of the five years. So okay, uh, J Ram Machado, me, give me a Harper. Shots at this. And, sh- sorry. Uh, the, so the player, there's been th- four other players that were in four of the five years. So which is also super impressive, and they've all been like first, second rounders. It's J Ram Machado, Harper, and Betts. Or in four or five years, so there's been like one down year for all of them. But there's who only is, been who two. Is, who is Rafael Devers? Nope, not Devers. Um, I don't know if the one was Devers rookie, rookie year. Was he a rookie in 2018? Right. So. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see here. Mookie. Nope, he was in one I just listed. Sorry, I'm throwing so many names at you, and this is not fair. But oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's you're, late. You're, We're you got the right. Te- you got the right team. So okay. Mookie and Freeman's teammate, or okay, not so for long, but yeah. So now that that's that's got to be like a, a a Turner. Yep, there you go. Turner and Freeman, the only two players. So that like goes to show you, like even if you want to do this, like it's still hard to pick those guys. Like there's only two guys that have done it for five years in a row. You know, there's one year that happens to everybody, and you know whether it's injury, just a freak down year. Uh, you know, I'm sure Ramirez would have had it if not for like that one weird. Remember that like really weird slump he had in in the middle of one season. You oh know, yeah, Betts had the hip last year, so it, it's hard to be that consistent. So I think that's why you kind of have to mitigate your risk as early as possible which is like you know as much as i love the bobby witt profile and the upside and think he could be the one one guy like mm-hmm. i want more steady eddie back of the baseball card have done it before can do it in their sleep sort of guys and then i'll take my risks in the fourth round with michael harris i love it and i'm going to talk to you about harris but first we're going to take a quick ad break we'll be right back The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash blue wire. 
That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, so Steve, that's when I started cracking up in the Discord because I was like, I love how we just talked about our lessons learned and then we turn around and throw them out the window on the first mock draft. And I was yeah. partially joking and more talking to me because you finally were cheering me on for mm-hmm. I will not draft starting pitchers early, finally adopting the Steve Giswelli strategy there. And then I went C Strider back to back at three and four. And then right after I went C Strider, you grabbed Michael Harris, who I think it might have been our lessons learned episode where you were like, Michael Harris is a prime example. Like, I won't be having any shares of him this year. <laughs> and it's like first draft, here we are. But yep. you talked you talk through that, that basically yeah. the reason you rolled the dice there is because you had the, the stability in front of it with Soto, Freeman, and Arenado. So, like, I feel like I've talked about it, um, you know, a million years in a row, but, like, the downfall of my home league was, like, my rounds three to five pick where I went um, Wander, Tyler O'Neill. And like Jonathan Didia. Jonathan Didia, sure, that was bad luck. He had a injury riddled year. I'm sure he would have been fine and is probably going to be a great value pick this year had he not had the injuries. Whatever. That happens. But you know, a Wander and Tyler O'Neill back to back in rounds three, four is just not something like that's too much risk to take. Like, you know, again, of course Wander could be, you know, the next guy to blow up and and that's what I was hoping and and sort of forecasting projecting and and I think it still could and will eventually happen but you know if you're going to take Wander in the third you know you need to sandwich him with these steady guys of Freeman Arenado and then the guy I went with after Tim Anderson like just guys that are not going to get the oohs and ahs from the draft room you know uh, when I took Harris, uh, there was a big pop for me because Nick Pollock was like, oh, was he like, that Whoa, good? Was, was he that good? And then he responded a few seconds later, yes, he was. Like, you know, and like, that's wow, great. Yeah. You know, you, you, You've been you make a lot those of picks for the, like, for the pop, but you can't just do that. Like, you can't just go out and, and draft, you know, Michael Harris and, you know, uh, Shane McClanahan and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Strider, Strider and, yeah, and O'Neill Cruz, like every in the, sexy the, the name top. On the board. Yeah. 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 You can't just, you need to balance your risk. And that's sort of, as I'm, you know, digesting the, the fantasy season and my lesson learned, like it's not just totally avoid it, but you need to balance your risk and know when to take your shots. And that's sort of what my goal was here. That's justifiable, and I think the 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 veteran floor that you set allowed you to to take the shot there. Like you're saying, I think to defend my uh, relapse to pitchers here, you know, part of it, which is true for all picks in this draft, is there's a fun element to this. You know, mm-hmm. you're in the room with the industry guys. Everyone has some really uh, dazzling names circled as like, oh, I'd love to be able to get him. Talk about him on the pod. But I think one thing that I might carry through, and it might not be back-to-back with like a C strider when we actually get into draft season, but I think one thing that I'm looking to do this year more than in the past is try to grab the pitchers, price-dependent, that are on the ascent. And, you know, not necessarily... 
guys who, you know, typically I'm as interested in ratios as I am kind of like the strikeout rate. But it seems like we've seen a lot of pitchers who, if they have the stuff, and we've been, you know, talking in the past that Waff is a, a stuffist uh, podcast here, but I think I'm willing to bet on stuff this season. And I think you've kind of led the way there a little bit with guys this past year, like Dylan Cease and, um, you know, Strider, and you miss every now and then. Like, they're, you're going to have the Aaron Ashby that's very exciting, and you get burnt, and you're waiting for it to come around, and it just doesn't happen. But I, I think that's not, um, I guess, in other words, I'm very happy I went with Strider instead of like a Woodruff or a Max Freed, uh, for instance, because Strider has the ability, in my opinion, to be that first overall starting pitcher next mm-hmm. year. And so to grab him in the fourth round, I don't think is egregious. That's pick 38. And I would be surprised if he hangs around. I mean, it could be wrong. I know he's got a little bit of stuff here, um, you know, with the injury and not the best postseason and stuff like that. I would be surprised if he goes as late as like pick 40 in next year's drafts. But what do you think about that? Woodruff and Fried are at their ceilings. I don't know if Cease and Strider are yet. And, you know, there's some room mm-hmm. for improvement with Cease's walk rate. Right. Uh, there's some room for improvement with Strider just as far as like volume, yep. developing a third pitch. Um, and, and, you know, there there so i like that i i think it's it's fair to grab those guys and and they are a bit expensive but that's also because they have a mix of floor and upside so i i really like that and and that's not nothing you know brandon woodruff in the fourth is a great pick i think max fried in the fourth is a great pick like those guys are number ones there's a, i'm not saying that those are bad picks but I, I think I, I like that approach of mixing it's more floor like, and ceiling with yeah. with those sort of those sort of picks, right? Yeah, and Woodruff. Um, yeah, maybe it, it would have been wiser to kind of balance a little bit, but it could, because maybe. Woodruff, yeah. when we when we saw him as, at his best, it was more like pick sixteen overall or pick eighteen overall, mm-hmm. and I think Strider could very easily go the kind of Corbin Burns, Shane Absolutely. McClanahan route. I mean, the, the fastest pitcher to ever get 200 strikeouts in just mm-hmm. 130 innings. So um, I think we all know that the stuff is there. But that was kind of why I, I went that direction. Um, and then beyond that, I think in terms of strategy, it was just, you know, some of my lessons learned of like, don't fall into the, the catcher trap like I did last year. And it was um, a little bit too much of an investment. And then you know, I was paying a little bit more attention to like some positions were getting super thin in this room. And, you know, that was that was front of mind for me a little bit more than in the past, uh, whether that carries through all offseason, we'll see. But knowing that second, third and first are all kind of shallow, I don't know if I'm going to be huge on, you know, three outfielders in the first six rounds mm-hmm. or like, I yeah. think you might want to be a little bit more mindful of it. But again, I didn't have a huge playbook going into this as much as wanting to analyze it after it, it, uh, you know, took, took its shape. But, um, let's talk about just the, some of the players, Steve, we, we've thrown out some names at some, some spots in the draft order, but let's talk about some surprises. Um, 
open floor in terms of the rounds, and we're still in the middle of this slow draft. We're coming up to the end of the 18th round for our listeners, but that's pretty deep. So now that we're at like pick 215, Steve, we've seen a bulk of what the draft is going to be. What were some major surprises that jumped out at you? And we can go back and forth on a few of these if we want. Yeah, I, I, I talked about it before. Uh, I thought Trout in, at, at pick nine was probably my biggest, whoa, okay. You know, uh, that that's caught me by surprise. I, I thought he would go um, uh, a, a little bit later. Um you know, uh, another one that was surprising to me, and I guess it really shouldn't be, um, but that's Gunnar Henderson in, in the seventh round uh, to Rick Graham. Um, yeah. Honestly, I'm sure that's not going to be surprising. I bet he'll be earlier than that, you know, considering, um, you know, he, he held his own. Uh, and then funny enough, the next round, uh, so like you know, Rick Graham's on, on the turn there. He was picked two. So in, in round seven, he went Gunnar Henderson. Then eight, he went Corbin Carroll. Um, so uh, I, I'm surprised about that, um, but I think it'll probably be even higher. So this will probably be a moot point uh, when we get the actual draft season. And then closers overall. Maybe that's just the way that this room went. But the first closer taken was. Class A in the fifth, I believe, to mm-hmm. Christopher Weber, Schwebzy. And then it was uh, Hendricks and Diaz in the seventh, followed by Helsley. Uh, so I, I I think that'll probably be uh, close to the order, although, you know, with Hayter performing well in the, in the postseason, maybe he'll get bumped back up. But, you know, maybe it's because we're so used to the NFBC format where closers, you know, we saw closers go in the second, third round. Uh, but who knows? Maybe there'll be a, a correction considering that a lot of those guys weren't profitable investments that early. But the fact that closers went that late was was pretty shocking to me, along with those few other points uh, that I mentioned there. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to you to comment on that and then throw your biggest surprises back at me. Yeah, I mean, I think the Gunnar Henderson thing, again, I think that part of that is is squeezing up a, a second baseman. I mean, it's uh, it's just wild that Gunnar Henderson, a guy that we've seen, you know, what, two months, just over two months of, was the, let's see, sixth second baseman off the board. Um, so I think there's a position need uh, factoring in there a little bit. Um, relievers, yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, some of that might be, you know, I, from from what I heard, just like around the industry on Twitter, an article that you can expect that closers will be at a premium again next year. So it is surprising mm-hmm. that we didn't have like the round two, round three um, that we did. Maybe that will kind of creep up once NFBC drafts roll around. But I do think there's a little bit more of like, you know, maybe eight or nine um, solid ones. Rather, so it's it's interesting. It just seems like it's there's more. Like Hader and Hendricks have come back to the pack, and Classe was great, uh, but we've seen him. You know, he kind of he went like the first month and a half, like with one save this year. So I think that there, it, there's just kind of been a regression to the pack for closers, which might keep him in this range. Um, in terms of like some of the surprises I had, 
Uh, I mean, you know, it's the first time looking at the board. I thought Wander Franco was going to go a little bit earlier just from all the buzz. I know we talked about where he would end up going in last year in drafts. I think he was around like pick 50. And it's a tough season to put too much stock into. I mean, I know at the end he, he kind of accumulated a, a solid sample size. I forget if it was like 100 games or whatever it was, but it was not a normal season for him. And I know that the AstroTurf and all that stuff has got to get like worked through, but he went, um, it looks like probably pick like 78 or something like that. So he, he definitely is getting pushed down a little bit, um, which was surprising. And then other things, I mean, Dansby Swanson had a monster season and we were talking about, you know, he, he finished in five by five ranked like top 20 and he went late in the seventh round. Um, which is which is surprising to me. Um, yeah, beyond that, if I he mean, resigns, that'll if he resigns, that'll go up. Just because you know, if he hits second in the Atlanta lineup again, the counting stats will be great. Um, yeah. yeah, Franco, the, you know, the, the power just wasn't there. Even you know, he did have a nice stretch where he stole some bases at the end of the year, was hitting well, but there was just absolutely no power. Which you know, we were sort of projecting and, and hoping he grows into it, and he still definitely could, but. Um, you know, it's such a big name and he's such a tooled up player and such a big prospect and still such a good hitter with such great plate discipline that sure, I'm sure there will be some helium, but I don't know. Do you think it's going to go more than like, so he was like, what, a, a third, fourth round pick last year overall at pick like 30 mm-hmm. to 45 around there is, you know, what is it going to be 50 to 60 maybe this year? You think that'll be? Around where he, where he peaks I, at? I think I so. Know. I mean, I think you got to move him back from like that 45, 50 overall mm-hmm. range that he was going at. But last year, so going into last season, we saw 70 games, seven homers, two steals. This year, in 13 more games, he had six homers instead of seven. So one less homer in 13 games, but six more steals. We know that like that 277 average he had this year is probably like an absolute floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just when you like look at everything that happened with the season with like the wrist and the quads, like the, he went through injuries and he never really hit rhythm. So I don't think I've ever, I, I know you're hoping that he takes like a Lindor path and gets up to like 25, 30 homers. But I think even if he's just like a 20-homer guy with the speed and the average, like if he's 20-25 and bats like 295, we're kind of talking about like a Bo Bichette. So, yeah. you know, it's just it's just a little with, bit later. With than more thought. plate yeah. skills, with more walks and yeah. less strikeouts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another one over to you, Steve, was uh, Christian Javier in the eighth round. And I know a lot of people were groaning, and I took Blake Snell bef- right before that, and I'm kicking myself for that, to be honest. But I do think Snell, I, I'm, I'm probably nearing like a min pick for Snell, I'm guessing, just because of the, the fatigue and the overall line. I think there's an argument for his second half and just kind of blind faith that he sticks with fastball, slider. But Javier is such a – he's almost in that – same breath as like Cease and Strider. Yes. In terms of young emerging guys who like 
I mean, what, he had three or four games in a row where he had 13 strikeouts? It's like, this is an elite, elite pitcher, and I don't care about the Astros having a clogged rotation and Odorizzi option and all that stuff. Javier, the time has to be now, and if he gets a full run of like 25, 30 starts, he has to finish above the top 80. So I, I thought that was late as well, but hats off to you on grabbing him there. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, Javier is like a strider late. I think you, you nailed it on the head. I think it's just, you know, people are so used to there being some bullpen risk and the Astros having so many rotation spots filled and, you know, him seemingly always being the first guy out of the rotation in that sort of wrong, long relief. Even though he did have a really, really long stretch where he was just a starter and he was, you know, pretty much flat out dominant. Um, it's funny with, with uh, you know, I, I, I don't regret the Javier pick. I would love to get him there. I think he maybe, you know, as the Astros sort of clean out that rotation and give him more of a defined role going into the year, there's not going to be as much value there. You know, like he really wasn't even drafted. I remember last year was like right. one of my reserve round picks that I'm going to chirp Nick about uh, next year uh, <laughs> was, was Javi uh, last year. And, and then I'll chirp him about in this next podcast. Um you know, because there was really even no role for him. Um, so, you know, as that's defined and they give him a rotation spot, the, the cost will probably go up. But, you know, you have early drafts, grab him, grab him now. Sorry, what was that? Yeah. Do, so do you look at the pitchers that went behind him? Kershaw, Glass now is another great yeah. name that we could Gla- talk about as a surprise. But did you look at the names that went after Javier and have any remorse or like I could have grabbed that guy instead? Glassnell is one, um, mm-hmm. just because I think that that's a great pick, and I think that there's sort of an opportunity here to buy him at, at a low point here, coming back from TJ, where he looked really good, and you know not everybody probably saw that. Uh, you know, saw the playoff starters last few starts there, so um, you know, uh, ideally I would have had both there, you know. Um, but funny, my biggest regret uh, was my first pitcher taken. I took Joe Musgrove in the sixth. Uh, I really, really wish I went Zach Gallon or even yeah. you Darvish there. Uh, as soon okay. as Gallon went, I was like, oh, how did I? I you know, I was just didn't see him on, on the board. Like, uh, uh, you know, I'd much rather have had Gallon as my SP1 rather than Musgrove. No, nothing against Musgrove. I, yeah, I, I, I like the Musgrove. I don't hate the too. pick, uh, you know. He sort of figured something out in September, got his spin rate back, and led to the, the ear check and everything like that. But, you know, he started off the season so, so good, too, uh, and, and then sort of had, still, you know, a little bit of a rough patch there, but then really figured out in, in April, uh, in uh, late August and September, and, and was absolutely dominant heading into the playoffs and has been dominant in the playoffs, too. So uh, I, I, I don't have too much uh you know to, to to be upset about there but i just slightly prefer gallon and probably would have went with him there uh if i was given a, a redo there yeah if you throw out 2021 for gallon everything else he's shown us has been just bulletproof to his division and the opponents with like dodgers and padres and all this stuff the 184 innings, 192 strikeouts, a 2.54 ERA, and a .91 WHIP, and he's doing that with you know regular starts against some super tough lineups. Um, so yeah, I think Gallon 
here. It's it's and we 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 all knew the season that was that pitching really won out, and there are so many guys that had like you know a, a sub three two ERA. It's crazy to like look at this as a new reality, but Gallon was probably like let's see two four six eight ten twelve fifteen. It might have been like SP nineteen. Something like that, and and that's crazy with how good of a season he just put up. So yeah, um, Ga- Gallon. I know we talked about this a bunch. Like you know, who's the guys that I'm going to be targeting? Like, Gallon is going to be my SP one in in, um, in a lot a lot of leagues if this is where he's going. Yeah. So so that's um, that's a, a couple surprises there. I thought it was hilarious that Adam went back to back on Varsho and Sal Perez and he's in a one catcher Varsho, league. In a one catcher <laughs> league and deploying <laughs> Varsho in his outfield. What a jerk. You know? He has a nice I mean, three he had a he had a thread on it too, like about how and, and it was a good point. Um you know, he, he didn't mess up and think it was a two catcher league. He likes having that in a daily move league on Yahoo, having that flexibility, you know, especially with Varsho, the dual eligibility of catcher outfield to be able to slot guys in there and there's two util spots too you know Perez is a good enough hitter and plays enough every day that he could be just a util guy so um you know a good point there and that's going to give him a lot of flexibility and, and I, I don't hate it uh you know we Varsha we talked about having that that quiet awesome second half there uh like post all-star break so uh you know it, it's going to seem shocking on paper but uh there's some good logic behind it. Yeah. Adam's a super sh- sharp and smart player. Uh, Not in my leagues, Adam. Every yeah. bench spot is dedicated <laughs> for pitchers so that yeah, you can churn agreed. and max out some volume. But I guess this is a weekly lineup lock league. We'll, yep. we'll give that to No, I, 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 I think that's it's clever. And I think it's cool that it you know pretty much corners the rest of the room into saying, like, all right, who's your catcher? Like, I just, I just pretty much took the, the top two of the top four. Um, so yeah, the catchers don't look now, Steve, we had what six or seven go in the first nine rounds with, uh, Cal Raleigh, Alejandro Kirk. So maybe a little bit. And then Adley, Adley. Rushman in the, yep. in the six. So all of a sudden catcher might be, uh, making a little comeback, but, uh, yeah, there's some real, real Muto. There, there's some guys that, you know, contribute across the board where Muto with the speed, Ali has the incredible plate skills and just, you know, like the number one prospect in baseball sort of pedigree. Will Smith is just an incredible hitter. Uh, Perez has that power. Varsho has the flexibility and the speed. So there's some fancy things you could do with catcher, including what, what Adam did there. So talk to me about snipes, Steve. Um, go through your, you know, go down your column and see if there's any names you recall as being like, literally it was my, my next pick. Um, so I believe the Joe Ryan pick that you had, uh, I, I was really eyeing him up. Hunter Green, I knew that was going to happen. I took Lodolo right before. Ideally, I was going to go Lodolo Green. I ended up going Lodolo Kirby. Um, so, so that was sort of a, a, a snipe there. Um, and then yeah, there was, was that one was a big, other that I got. That was another pretty, big pitcher run right there, where it was like everybody was yeah. just kind of grabbing guys that were high upside and everything. I mean, the green that that one especially will probably get some questions from Nick on like that seems forty picks early and everything, but it seemed like that again that range where it's like trying to get somebody who could 
just emerge. And he, he he's one of those guys that he's taken his his lumps as a pitcher, and he's come back on the other side and been much better and the control and everything. So, in uh, this range, I found it super hard to find hitters that I liked. So I kind of just decided to take what I think I'm good at identifying, and that's value pitchers. So I went. Javier, Lodolo, Kirby, like guys that I think are on the up and up. Like I didn't want to take Tyler O'Neill. I didn't want to take Andres Jimenez. I didn't want to take, you know, uh, Brandon Lau, even though I did sort of fill second base. But, you know, those are the players that I'm looking at. Um, Yeah, you're you're spot on, man. So, yeah, I, I stuck with what I what I what I, what I think I can identify as talent in these rounds. Yeah, cuz after after CJ Crone went at uh third pick of the ninth round. So that is uh quick math here, 99 overall. Then the hitters went Jake Cronenworth, Cal Raleigh, Max Muncy, Tyler O'Neill, John Carlos Stanton, pretty much same spot as last year. Chris Bryant Steve Kwan, um, which is interesting in 5x5, five five, that Kwan going around pick like 105. Yeah, the steals um, probably uh, boost Oh, yeah, steals so and average is massive, yeah. 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 Uh, Matt Chapman, Christian Walker, which I don't think in most leagues he's going to go this close to 100 just because he has such a oatmeal name. But I, I don't, I don't mind know, the man. Pick. I don't mind the he pick had, with the plate discipline and the, the pop the, and everything. But. The underlying numbers, yeah. He had, what, you know, 34, 35 homers, something like that, maybe even a little more. So, We'll, we'll see. I mean, that's a that's an early age 31, uh, 242 average, 36 homers. I mean, maybe this is where he goes, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if our industry drafts have Walker higher than, like, the general public, I guess. What I'm yeah, saying. maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, that's true. But yeah, the point is that you're making, and it's a good point, is when you're looking at all those names, and then the pitchers are like Tristan McKenzie, uh, George Kirby, Lodolo, yeah. Hunter Green, even like, you know, Logan Gilbert, and I know he was kind of oh yeah up and down, and like last year we were all banking on this breakout, and it didn't necessarily happen, but he put in a good year, and it's like, he, he could continue to take steps forward. So when I look at the pitchers in this zone, I'm with you that like 90 to 140 feels like a good time to just like load up. And before that, I better feel pretty good about my bats, I guess. Yeah, you want to load up on the meteor staff here. Like got my, you know, know, a lot of people are going to be getting their three, four, five here, even four, five, six. But I'm confident enough if you select the right guys, like. You know, I, I'm more than happy with having Tyler Glass now, uh, Tristan McKenzie, uh, Logan Gilbert as my two, three, four. The three guys that I didn't even take, but just went in rounds eight, nine, ten, right? Like, yep. I, I'm I'm fine with that. Like all of these names, even like you know more of the oatmeal league, like Chris Bassett and John Gray guys, you know Pablo Lopez, Logan Webb. Like, this is where you build your staff. Like. You know, I, I think I'm going to have like an outline, uh, sort of. You know how you had like in in elementary school when you like learn to 
write a paper, right? Like, you know, here's the introduction. These are the four points that you need to make in your introduction. Here's the body of your essay. This -hmm. is what you need to explain, you know, in each paragraph. And then here's your conclusion. Like, you know, the top, the intro is going to be me loading up on these, you know, boring, steady, eddy hitters. The, the the body is going to be me building my staff with my high upside pitchers, and the conclusion is going to be taking the risks and sort of upside shots with some you know some hints of everything else in between. Like that's how uh, how I'm going to view my drafts <laughs> next yeah, year. Yeah, it's uh, a, it's it's a great it's a great method. I mean, you, I think that's you know it only takes one or two drafts for you to start to see the shape of like you know yeah. where you need to build out and. Uh, yeah, we'll post the link to this draft board uh, when we put the show out um, as well, so you guys can check it out. But a couple other things that were, um, you know, notable for me is in terms of snipes. Uh, you sniped me with the Nolan Arenado pick in the third nice. round. I was excited again to focus on kind of getting that position situation uh, knocked out with third base. Um, what else? I mean, Adam definitely got me with that uh, Aaron Ashby because I was ready to double down. Yeah, that was first pick of the sixteenth. I was I was gonna go back to back on Sandoval, Ashby, and then went Sandoval and he went Ashby. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones here. You and I, I kind of thought you would go Lodolo when I like I was in the same spot of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I wanted to load up in pitchers in that range. And it kind of forced my hand on Hunter Green because I was like, all right, well, Lodolo's off. Uh, I, I want a guy that could could pop there. It's fun that the two Reds guys went back to back. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. I um, hope that happens in a lot of drafts. Some other ones I was kind of like, you know, typing into the chat room is when Tristan McKenzie went middle of the ninth round, um, which, by the way, that was Scott Chu as... I believe he had twins. Is that correct? Yeah, or I, uh, I believe he, he found out that he's having twins. Found so, out yeah, he's Scott, having twins. Yeah, Scott, sorry. Scott, Scott Chu, Hacks and Jacks. Uh, you know, there, there's uh, two more listeners that they're going to be having for that uh, very soon. Congrats to them. Yeah, yeah, that that's great. And Scott, you're you're a great friend of the pod. Great, great manager. I think it was Adam who was like, "Now you have to name the twins Tristan and Mackenzie, right?" Yeah. Just, just the banter. Um, yeah, looking through some of these other ones, you know, Dustin May going uh, before or, or right after Jack Flaherty. Dustin May going before Lucas Giolito, who went in the middle of the 14th. <sighs> that's late. I don't think that's going to yeah. stay. Um, it might, man. I mean, I think people are going to be really out on it. Maybe not 14th, but uh, you're so not going to see him go above round 10. Yeah, but I don't know. Thir- I mean, 13 times 12. We're talking Giolito went past pick 160. Yeah. That yeah. seems super late. Um, I thought that both Jeffrey Springs and uh, Rasmussen hung on the board for a long time. Um, I, I get that they're raised. You know, they don't necessarily have. Yeah, the and the, the strikeouts aren't as great as, like, the ratios were, but. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Springs was first pick of the 13th round. Rasmussen was, uh, you drafted, third pick of the 16th round. Both of those guys were like top 100 performers this year, so um, interesting there. Um, I don't know. Reed Detmers was another one that uh, Nick Pollock Mm -hmm. took, and when he came off the board, I was definitely 
he was in my queue, so that was mm-hmm. another steal. Same. So Same. just kind of throwing throwing a few names out there. Yeah, but, Morton uh, in the fifteenth was a bit shocking. Nick sort of said that he forgot about him. I think it'll be big that he has a normal off season. If you don't if you remember correctly, he uh, had that broken leg in the World Series last year when he was hit with a comebacker, and then even had to talk with uh, Kyle Wright to like fix his mechanics to use his leg more that he just wasn't trusting and pushing off from as much um, because of that injury. So, you know, I think that sort of was just like, hey, he kind of just fell for whatever yeah. reason. I don't think he'll, you know, if I get Go Charlie bad, Morton in the way. 15th, like, uh, oh, my God, I'd be freaking out. Like, you know, so loving that. So where do you think he lands then, Steve? Like, I think more in the, like, like, the re- like more in like the, you know, the area that we were talking about where you're building your staff your rounds. Mm-hmm. 10 to 14 sort of thing probably close to around 10 i think just name brand although you know he's older had an era in the fours um when people were hyper focused on fantasy baseball he was pretty bad so maybe but it won't be around as, yeah uh, like yeah beginning of 11 had like uh john gray jesus lazardo godsolin yeah yeah yes that that's probably where he'll live like you know a flyer on chris sale lance mccullers flaherty that those sort of that range, you know, the the pitchers thirty to forty sort of sort of thing, for thirty to fifty, you know, and that that wider range, yeah. Tony Gonsolin goes first pick of the eleventh with um coming off a season where he's sixteen and one with a two fourteen <laughs> ERA and a point eight seven whip. I mean it's gotta be noted, but just the hundred and thirty innings and did, so did they? I, I know he um, he kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch, but yeah, honestly, he was on the like IL a bunch at the end. They they didn't stretch him out. Uh, I believe in their last playoff game, he threw like you know was limited to forty five or fifty pitches, something like that. So there is some some any concern, which is what's suppressing that cost. Yeah, but skills wise and results wise, from what it was, he was not an eleventh rounder. That's for sure. Yeah, that's pretty wild for Gonsolin. I mean, I think that's maybe a takeaway is like when you look at these, when you look at the names, yes, we talked earlier about how starting pitchers, there might not be like the elite, elite tier, you know, relatively speaking, there are, there always is, but there might not be the first round tier like there has been for the past like 10 years. But when you look at all these names listed out here, Steve, and it's like, Tyler Glass now in the eighth round, and then you got a Tony Gonsolin in the eleventh round, and you know Christian Javier in the eighth round. Yeah, it like give me any of these guys. Different. Give me it any of these different. guys. Yeah, right. Like there, the it is the the pool of great starting pitching has expanded. It's deep. It's yes. Deep. Yes. So take that however you will for your strategy. I'm sure that'll be a theme we talk about a lot in the off season, but. Um, no, that's that's all good. So, wrapping up, Steve, when you look across the board on some of these other managers, what kind of draft jumps out at you as like one of the best or one one that you really are drawn to, and and give us some background on that. Uh, the the one I I, I hinted at before, but um, the one that jumps out and it's really due to that start is is Anthony Tucker's team. I mean. To start with Alvarez and Machado, uh, he then went Wheeler, Seager, um, Castillo. You know, I probably would 
you know, prefer to start with like, you know, the Castillo in the fifth is my first and then sort of load up more on pitchers. But his team is just incredible. Uh, Will, Dar- Will Smith in the sixth um, took a flyer on Bucks in the seventh. So, you know, we all know what could happen if Buxton stays healthy. Not that it will, but still in the mm-hmm. seventh, it's much more palatable cost than like the third or fourth where you had to get him last year. And then he took some guys that I really like to have shots on, and Tyler Glass now, Max Muncy, um, Logan Webb's a great staff filler, and then Brian Reynolds and like Anthony Rizzo in the tenth and eleventh. Like, yeah, they're boring, but Rizzo's going to be a fine first baseman. Even though I know I said that you need to get that out of the way early, but you know you can't be much safer than what Rizzo's floor is. And I think Reynolds sort of is uh, an overlooked guy who provides a lot of value. Uh, that late um so yeah his team is really really good and uh i like it a lot so uh my you know meaningless seal of approval would go to anthony tucker <laughs> uh for the draft that he's having so far yeah it's it is a, it's a great start like you said um yeah i don't like the glass now pick is just one of my favorite picks so of the good. whole, oh, the whole yeah. draft yeah. and like I'm I'm a Dustin May believer like I think everyone is cheering for him to get back to ace uh you know gif form where mm-hmm. you're just kind of like you know he's must see TV pretty much when he's on the mound um so I love that and Will Smith at catcher just makes it all look better I liked I liked your draft Steve uh quite a bit um, I, I thought oh yeah, I like the, yours too. But we made the rule in the notes that we couldn't no, pick no, no, each no. other. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're yeah. right. And we also yeah. haven't talked about Vinny P this whole show, so that's oh. we'll save that for another. We'll day. dedicate a whole a show to him in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Schwebzy. Um I, I think he's so he started out. Schwebzy was Chris Weber first pick overall. Jose Ramirez gets third baseman out of the way. Comes all the way back. End of the second round gets Jose Altuve, who there is a sizable gap between Altuve and the next batch of second basemen. So for him to kind of knock out third and second right away, I think is a great start. Then he goes Lindor right after that. Solid pick. Um, Round four, JT Real Muto. So he's got catcher addressed. He was first closer with Emmanuel Class A. But I think the reason why... I'm a fan is the way he kind of constructed his staff mm-hmm. like throughout the draft. So he he got Darvish in round six, Kyle Wright, Robbie Ray, Tony Gonsolin, Jeffrey Springs, and Brady Singer almost at like every other round. It just seems like it's for how much he waited on pitching, that seems like a pretty passable Yeah, that that's uh, the way to do staff. it. That's the way to, that's, that's the way that's to build it. And we were just talking about the shallow first base position. He addressed the other infield positions and then waited until round 10 when he got Christian Walker, mm-hmm. who there's plenty to like about Walker under the hood. Um, mixed in George Springer in round seven. So, it, it, and I, obviously I love the Lars Newtbar pick. So, you know, there, there are a lot of good drafts here. I was looking at Scott Chu's as well. Um, I, I kind of like Scott's build. But, yeah, Schwebzy, I wanted to throw a shout-out that I thought uh, he kind of picked his spots on positional eligibility and didn't have to pay a huge price for it on what he waited on, I guess. He also has the most aesthetically pleasing-looking board because he every single color sticker is different. He took a different uh, – from rounds one to seven, he took a different position at every 
pick. So it's really nice to look at, and you know, it's a a true rainbow that it, that he built there. So uh, I agree. I like his squad a, a lot. Point. I think uh, you know to get Ramirez, Altuve, Lindor, like to have that as your third to shortstop, second baseman guys that give you power, pop, speed. And average, mm-hmm. really, you know, uh, Altuve more so than the other two, but still they're not going to kill you in those areas. Like, that's a really, really well-rounded start. Uh, you know, Real Muto, too. Every single one of those guys is going to have, you know, basically double-digit steals. So, uh, and they're all good hitters to boot. So, yes, agree. That is a great, great build. Plus, he uh, rolled the dice with your boy, Steve, in, in uh, round 14 with Jared Kelnick. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, we'll see where where Kelnick goes. But look at me calling him your boy. Like I wasn't there on every single show, like gassing him up with you. I'm like, yeah. Somehow it's turned into your Amazing. guy. You know, he's Jared Kelnick is like my DV. Uh, D, you know what Victor Robles is the DVR. <laughs> Derek Van Riper over that the athletic uh, Kelnick so is to me just for being so hyped on him, but. Hey, it goes to show you, like, he's still a fourth-round pick, basically despite being sent down for most of the year and not looking great in the other times that he was up. So uh, yeah. it goes to show you the potential there. I mean, he hit again in AAA, so, well, you know, who knows? Yeah, that's what it's all about. Take your shots. So yep. that that rounds us out, guys. A uh, little bit longer of a show, but hopefully – you know, it's it's got you dreaming already about draft season, and uh, you know we'll definitely be promoting and sharing when the podcasts come out with Mr. Nick Pollock when he gets a one-on-one with each one of us. But a uh, lot of fun, Steve. Uh, can't wait for the rest of the off season. Again, a programming note: every other week for us, uh, we're actually coming out on Friday mornings throughout the off season, um, at least until after the Super Bowl when we kind of ramp things up. So. Um, kind of sums us up, Steve. Any uh, any closing thoughts or uh, comments, man? This was a blast. No, no, it was a lot of fun. Happy to get into it. Uh, glad we do this draft. It's like uh, a yearly October tradition. Like, you know, first draft out of the way, the pitcher lift mock draft. Uh, I love it. Glad, uh, you know, glad we're a part of it. It's fun to be in that in that that, that group. And you know, we'll we'll post the the board and everything and you know dissect it and, and talk about the, the, the drafts i'm sure uh especially as we come up to the office hours with uh with nick there and have to defend ourselves it'll be a lot of fun looking forward to that and looking forward to uh you know getting some guests on doing doing the off-season stuff that we do uh, well, tldr it'll be a lot yeah it'll be a lot of fun it'll be a lot of fun uh gonna be a long cold winter but uh waff will get you through it and it'll be draft season before you know it Yep, well said. We'll be here. He's Steve Giswelli. You can find him on Twitter at Stav8818. I'm Van Burnett. You can find me at Van underscore verified. Please, please go out and give us a review, rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys listen. And, of course, email the show offseason. We're always looking for topics. Winsabovefantasy at gmail.com. Uh, that's all we got for episode 77. We'll be back in two weeks to talk more baseball with you. Until then, enjoy the playoffs. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.